are listening to Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast, where we talk about your theological questions. BGN podcast is produced every Saturday for your enjoyment. Get more information on our website, grace-nation.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Grace Nation Min and on Facebook. Now, here is your host, President of Grace Nation Ministries, Victor. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. I am your host, Victor, and I'm here with my semi-amazing co-host, Billy. How's it going, man? Hey, man, I'm doing really good. How about you? I am sick, if you can't tell. Yes, I, I know. By my voice. I, I've been nursing you back to health, actually. I've donated to Joel Osteen's ministry. <laughs> I don't know why I'm still sick. <laughs> I should be healed do, by Do you now. have any faith? I have do you plenty have of faith. faith? Just a little bit more than a mustard seed. Oh, man. And for some reason, there are still mountains in America. Just so. have more, man. Just have more. Right. You know, yesterday... No, it was that, yeah, it was last night, two nights ago. I went to the store and I got you melatonin. You and did. That was the first time you ever had melatonin. It was. And it knocked you out. It knocked me out, dude. It <laughs> felt great. I don't know why melatonin is not just like built into our bodies. Oh, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of, never mind. Okay, um, so, <laughs> so what's up? Nothing much, man. I am really excited for today's podcast. Me too. Uh, I know me too. today's podcast might be a little bit shorter in length than some of the other podcasts that we've done, yes. but regardless of the time frame that we have it's yeah. still an amazing topic and this content is probably the most important content that we could cover right out of any theological principle out of anything uh, out of any biblical doctrine we'll yeah. talk about this is probably the most essential to not only the podcast but to yes. the christian faith and to the gospel Absolutely. as a whole this topic is amazing and it's just about the good news Absolutely. Uh, of jesus and Absolutely. we want to pay tribute today to the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Yes. And getting ourselves back into biblical doctrine. Absolutely. And getting ourselves back to the truths that the Bible uh, has for us. And so Absolutely. that's why today we will be talking about uh, just like biblical principles that every Christian agrees on. Yep. Just straight up orthodoxy. Those close-handed issues that the Bible is very clear. The, those close-handed issues the Bible is very clear on. Right. Because um, I mean, like most of the podcasts we record so far have been on things maybe you know secondary theological distinctives right. that we could either you know be dogmatic about or, or we could be you know we could agree or disagree. Right. Uh, but these issues that we're going to be talking about today are the most important. They're foundational. Right. They are where we build our foundation uh, and how. I mean, they, these beliefs, I would say more than anything else, make up, uh, they compose our entire theology, our right. outlook of life, and they determine how we live. Right. Um, ultimately, what we believe determines how we live. And we, and we and our goal here is not to strive <coughs> to convince people of this so that they believe it just intellectually. Right. You know, theology is not just head knowledge. If it is, then it's not good theology. Uh, we want people to believe this with their hearts. Right. Biblically, whenever the Bible talks about believing, uh, it speaks of in the heart. Because mm. in the heart, that if you can believe something with your head and it does nothing with your life. Right. But if you believe it with your heart, it will it will transform you and it will compel you to action. Right. Um, and I, I really do think, you know, being the 500 year of Reformation, it's important that we we remember that the very last words of one of the reformers um, was the words always reforming. Right. You know? and, and so they were their their mindset, their hope was that they would reform the church and return to apostolic doctrine, uh, that they would bring it back to the Bible, uh, the authority of the scriptures and what the Bible has to say. This was this was the goal of Martin Luther, um, of William Tyndall, of all these people who tried to translate the Bible in their language, was that they could advance the gospel by preaching truth. And right. that they could return to the authority of scripture, sola scriptura, um, in order to build all their beliefs uh, for life and godliness. And so what 
what we're trying to do is um, because I, I think a lot of times, you know, Christians especially we can label some things in the Christian faith as basic, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially the foundational things. We could say, you know, we know these things, we're knowledgeable in them, uh, but for that reason, we're just going to ignore them. Right. When really, these are the truths that we need to remind ourselves every single day. Absolutely. And I think I think we do that so often with the gospel, right? Like we preach the gospel once, we're, we get saved, and then, and then means we, never return, we, never, we, we never return to it, right? We know it, yeah. it's, it, it's like the back of our hand, and it doesn't impact us anymore. And that's a huge fundamental problem. Absolutely. We should be preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. Absolutely. Not only to, to ensure that we're equipped to evangelize, you know, when God appoints those times, yeah. but also for our own edification and for our own, you know, soul yeah. in our Christianity. So Absolutely. That we, we can have our affection stirred for Jesus. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so... And, and I think, you know, salvation itself is not simply a past event. Um, it's present and it's mm. future uh, in, in that it's already but not yet, just like we've been talking about right. that concept. Um, Christ, the cross, the gospel, the message that we received and heard and believed, it, that message saved us from sin's penalty. Mm. But every single day, it's also saving us from sin's power. Right. And one day, it will save us from sin's presence. So it is, it is monumentally important, not just uh, the day before we got saved. It's just as important today for believers, just as important for me and for you and for everyone listening. Uh, whether they're saved or not, they need to hear it. Um, right. They need to be reminded every single day. And whenever Paul went into a city, whenever he went to a church filled with people who are already believers, he told the church at Rome, I'm going to go preach the gospel to you, um, but they'd already heard it. Right. They, they were saved, uh, yet that he was compelled to do so because he knew that they still needed it. And when he when he went to Corinth, you know, he knew nothing but Christ and him crucified. Uh, I think that we should have that same mindset when when we approach uh, when we approach theology that we look right. we look at all of theology from the lens of Christ and him crucified, and we make sure that we're keeping the gospel and these things these issues we're going to talk about as first importance. Exactly, and I think. So, so we're going to be talking about like like the fundamental aspects of Christianity, yeah. and, I, and I, obviously one of them is the gospel, right? Like that's yes. that's a huge part of it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, especially in today's Americanized Christianity, we have oversimplified the gospel. Not not that the co- gospel is complicated, mm-hmm. but we have over oversimplified it to the fact to where it doesn't stir us to do anything about it. Mm. And yeah. that's not the point of the gospel. Like, like the gospel is a saving gospel, but it should also stir us to do something about it. Absolutely. To, right. Absolutely. And so when people are like, I'm just going to focus on Jesus, really do nothing else. Just kind of like sit here and like, yeah, sp- focus on Jesus. There's some problems with those. Yeah. Are things. they really focusing on Christ? Right. Because a true person focused on Christ would not only be yeah. worshiping the spirit uh, in spirit, but also in truth. Mm-hmm. And so that is a huge part. And so we also, you know, want to, I guess, kind of say and, and give, you know, clarity to the fact that the gospel as though it is simple in, in terms of how it's communicated to us so we can understand it, but we don't want to oversimplify it to where it doesn't stir us to do anything about it. Mm. Because that's a huge trap that I think American Christianity has fallen into Absolutely. today. Yeah. And so as we're going through these things, we also want to encourage you to study other doctrines and other theologies mm-hmm. and increase your knowledge in the Lord yeah, uh, so that we can worship him in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And like right now, I mean, at serving as a youth pastor, the series I'm going through with my kids right now is a series on doctrine, on what Christians believe and why they believe it. And I have a mixed group. You know, there's some kids who have been in church all their lives and they know these things, and yet they are still vigorously taking notes. Right. Um, and then there's those who, I, I have a lot of Chinese students who have only been in this country for a year, uh, and some of them are still learning English, uh, and some of them 
their families grew up Confucius or Buddhist, and so a lot of them are new to this. Um, but it's so awesome seeing that in my audience of, of students, all these students, all these souls, uh, whether they're new to the faith, young in the faith, spiritually dead, or mature in the faith, they all take away so much just from being told doctrine. Right. Um, because, and I think it's important that we start with that. Um, you know, I'm new. You know, I've, I came to this job a couple months ago, and this is the series I've been going through because I think the tragedy um, is that a lot of a lot of kids, especially a lot of teenagers that I work with, is that they either know what they believe and it's become it's become kind of bland to them. You know, they're spiritually apathetic because, you know, they haven't let it impact them anymore. Uh, some of them, they believe it with their head and they believed it with their head all their lives, but it's never taken root in their heart. Right. And so for that reason, that's why it's good to go through this. Um, and so do you want to go and start? Yeah, let's go ahead and, and get it started. So where, where, where would you want to start? So we're going to go through seven uh, of the main principles, yeah. foundations yeah. that... that compose Christianity absolutely uh, in the fullest and so let's go ahead and talk about the first one what is it yeah I think the very first place to start the best place to start is the Bible mm. uh, if the Bible is incorrect in any way shape or form then we lose all the other points right we have to hold to uh, the inerrancy of scripture sola scriptura mm -hmm. the only scripture like yes. that is our highest authority uh, here on this earth we there is nothing that that goes above it even mm -hmm. if an angel comes to us and preaches a gospel contrary to the one that has been preached to us let him be accursed mm -hmm. right that's huge that's one, yeah so I mean that's showing that that scripture is above even the an even an angel that were to come down to us scripture mm -hmm. holds that authority and so yeah. I think we have to we have to hold to a to a doctrine to a theology that says scripture is inerrant because if we lose that, we lose the foundation for the rest of Christianity. Mm. Yeah, no, I very much, I very much agree. Uh, we compose all of our beliefs based on the Bible, and it's so so crazy to me. You know, Christians I know who say that they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the Bible. Uh, yet right. they build their beliefs of Christ based on what the Scriptures say. Uh, we need to accept the Scriptures as a unit, as a whole. We can't pick and choose uh, what it is we want to affirm as God's word. Buffet Christianity. Exactly. Right? We yeah. don't want to do that um, because that's not Christianity. That's not biblical I really like grace and I really don't like judgment. Exactly. Come, come on, Billy. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's like it's like picking and choosing certain parts of Christ to love. You know, Jesus himself is the word of God. And so when we dive into scripture, we're diving to the very heartbeat of who he is. Right. Uh, so it's important that we could either we could either fully affirm it or we deny it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I very much believe, like you said, so scripture, that the scriptures are inerrant and they are sufficient. Right. Uh, and so what do we believe about the scriptures? You know, we believe that they are the word of God. You know, um, 2 Timothy 3.16, how all scripture is God breathed right. um, and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for training in righteousness. Right. Uh, it's important that we that we affirm this statement before anything else, uh, that the Bible itself comprised of both the Old Testament, 39 books in the Old Testament, and 27 books in the New Testament are inspired, they are infallible, and they are authoritative. Um, it's Absolutely. An, and it's an error in, in, in its original right. Absolutely. And and that doesn't mean so. So scripture is amazing, right? It is God inspired mm. and it, it, it was it's from man's perspective. Yeah. Right. And so we see uh, all these things all throughout scripture. And a lot of people say, well, it's written by man, so it can't be perfect. And, and that that's wrong because we see all scripture is what God breathed. Absolutely. Right. And so therefore it's good for, you know, teaching, reproof, yeah. all these things. Yeah. And so we have to hold to a stance of scripture inerrancy. I, there's no other stance you can take. Absolutely. Uh, because again, sola scriptura, I, I, I would argue is the umbrella that the other four solas are, mm. or, Christianity sits under because without scripture, we don't have a foundation mm -hmm. uh, 
to rest on, right? Absolutely. Like we like without scripture, we don't know who Jesus is. Yeah. We don't know what he's done for us. We don't know that it's by grace through faith, right? And so we have to hold this stance uh, firmly uh, to be within to hold to a Christian worldview. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I think it's important to know that um just like you said, the scriptures are a divine and a human work. Right. Uh, God used humans to write the scriptures. Uh, he wrote, he wrote the Bible um, over fifteen hundred years yeah. on three different continents in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, using forty different authors. The majority of them Jewish, uh, and and it, it tells one story of redemption that has no contradictions um, or any anything that testifies against itself. Right. Everything in there is accurately recorded. Um, and First Peter. Uh, no, sorry, Second Peter one twenty one says that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along mm. by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one carrying the writers of Scripture along as they write down what it is. And, and all Scripture was either written by two groups of people. It was either written by prophets whom God spoke to or apostles whom knew Jesus or, or people right. who were close associates of those apostles right. who recorded for them. Uh, so... We know that they're authoritative in that they come directly from the Lord himself. Uh, and not only that, I think it's important that we should note that the scriptures are accurate. And this is not, you know, this is not an apologetics podcast and any, and any we're, we're not trying to appeal and, and persuade them to believe this right now because, you know, for time's sake. Right. But we do want to go ahead and tell you that, I mean, I used to be a Buddhist and an atheist uh, who rejected the scriptures completely. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't until that I decided to do research for myself and, and test the scriptures and really see their reliability, right. the accuracy. Uh, I, you know, studied history and archaeology and prophecy uh, and, it, and scripture stood the test in all, in all the circumstances right. and everything and everything I searched through scripture always held true. It was, it always proved its accuracy. Uh, so I think it's important that we do know that for, for those who maybe are skeptical or are searching, you know, I mean, you're not alone. I was there. Uh, and, and the Lord says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Uh, and that does not mean that, you know, Christianity is not a blind faith. Right. We, we do not, we don't accept these things blindly. We test them according to the evidence that we have. Uh, and then we, we choose to trust in them based right. on the evidence we've received. And now there are a few passages of scripture. Uh, I believe one is at the end of Mark and a few others. Yeah. And then John, John, eight. John, yeah, that are controversial, uh, in terms of should they be canon? What are your thoughts on that? So we, ha we, we hold to a stance of scriptures in error, and yet there are passages of scripture that are controversial yeah. as in like they, maybe they should or shouldn't be in the Bible. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because I've been asked this question before and it's really interesting, uh, the answer that I got from an apologetics professor, but I'd like to hear what you have to say on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, um, oh wait, you're talking about Woodward? Actually, no. So I was at an apologetics conference a few uh, about a year ago, and th the guy posed the question, and he said, "Well, we have these controversial passages. How can we say scriptures inerrant when there may be some non-inspired uh, works in there?" Yeah. And his response was quite interesting. It was the passages that we hold in front of us, the the Bible that we hold. Uh, may not it is not the inspired word right yes and i and i would affirm that statement right the original 
you know, papers, the, the original scrolls, yes. the papyrus, all that stuff. Those are the God-inspired, yes. God-breathed what we scriptures. Have are copies what we have of are the copies originals. of it, right? And so we have, we do have to understand that, right? Yes. We have and I, it. And I do think it's not, it's not to say that the Bible is not the Word of God. It's just that we don't, we lack the original manuscripts, uh, right? And we trust the original manuscripts are God's right. inerrant and word. And God is sovereign, Absolutely. and He will hold His scriptures together. Absolutely. And so we have to trust Him in that fact too. That that. The, Satan can tamper in a lot of things, right? Yeah. But only with God's permission, and, yeah. and God w- will not allow Satan to tamper with a, yeah. with a perfect, inerrant document. Yeah, and so and, we and have. I to would agree with that. your professor on that. I, I would very, and uh, both the professor, the guy at the conference. I, I very much agree, and I think that. Um, for those passages that are a little obscure, I do think it's wise not to build any major doctrine off those passages right. because of their obscurity. I do think, though, that if we can be somewhat sure of the authorship or we could see throughout history that maybe the early church fathers accepted these passages right. of Scripture, then in that scenario, I would say it, it's okay It's okay to, to affirm that these are Scripture. Right. Um, because if, if, if we know the authorship and it was accepted by the early church fathers for the first few centuries of church history, then I would say that that's, that's the test right. or, or see if it's scripture. Now, with those obscure patches that we are not so sure about, we don't have to be 100%, but I will say that we should, we should, we should study them and we should be, um, be less than dogmatic, right. um, but, still, but still consider them as being authoritative right and does and that make sense as long as they as long as they're not contradicting anything else in scripture yes right? like johnny doesn't contradict you right and mark so, 16 does not contradict so if there are parallel else. passages that we can that we can go to you know and we can build then we can start to build theologies and absolutely and we can see doctrine uh being formed in scripture that way too yeah so that's the first belief that's the first belief and that took us a long time <laughs> so we're gonna we're not gonna speed through the other ones but we're gonna we'll, we'll, we'll probably move a little bit faster yeah what's yeah. the next one the next one i would say is the belief in the in the triune God, right. um, every religion, uh, uh, most religion, you know, um, affirms the existence of some deity of some higher power. Uh, we believe in the God of the Bible, uh, who is not just one, who is one God, but is three persons, right? And Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Beautiful word, yes. Elohim. Absolutely, like Elohim. That shows us uh, that the plurality shows us of his character, the, the triuneness, the plurality of his nature, like you said, yeah. but also the oneness of him, and it's just beautiful. Our God is a community, right? And and that the Trinity is such a beautiful thing, and yeah, but it's something that we can't work out in our minds, like no, because we, we're finite, we, right? And so we can sit here and think about, well, how can one God be three? At the same time as being one, yeah, we can't work it you out. Try explaining to a bunch of Chinese students who barely know English. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for an hour. And that's that's where the gift of tongues comes into play. Really. Absolutely, I was praying. I'm sure, but yeah, so we see that, and it's beautiful. We see in His nature that that our God is like that. He's and one in being, in essence. Aim, beautiful. I mean, I mean, and that's the thing. He's one being, but I mean, like I've heard someone say he's three centers of self consciousness. It's, it's interesting. Interesting. Interesting way to look at it. Yeah. I've never seen a human representation that. Like I've heard people talk about, you know, like the tree and the egg, but that, that right, doesn't right, right. doesn't hold up because. Because the yolk is not the egg itself, neither is the shell. It's not, and I think it's important that we say, it's not that these three persons comprise one God. They are all individually, independently, fully right. God on their own. Right, and and not to say, like, we don't believe in polytheism, right? We are a monotheistic yes, absolutely. Uh, religion. And so we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is 100% God. 
God, mm-hmm. the Father is 100% God, and mm. Jesus Christ is 100% God. They're Absolutely. not 33.33 repeating. And they're all Yahweh. They're all Yahweh. Yeah. And so, and, and oh, such a beautiful doctrine. Oh Absolutely. my goodness, beautiful. Absolutely. And so we do have to hold to that. Uh, scripture's clear. I mean, we see the Trinity played out in the first verse of Scripture. God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, in time, he created... Uh, oh man, I have to look up the argument. It's 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 great, but he created matter, which comprises of like solid, liquid, gas. That's a trinity. Yeah. He created uh, space, which is like volume, mass, and heard, something else. The, it's like the, the trinities of trinities, one, yeah. and it's just beautiful because yeah. we see the trinity, um, and three things comprise the universe: it's time, uh, matter, and uh, what's the third thing? I'm not too sure, but. The point's made that that in like in the first verse we see this trinity yeah. being played out, and then verse twenty six he says, "Let us make man our man, image." Ryan, so he's speaking he's talking to, to himself, right? Yeah, um, the other so, yeah, persons of beautiful. himself, and and we have to hold to this. Scripture's clear. Yeah, uh, we see the trinity played out, and and when Jesus uh, ascends back into heaven, you know, he's saying, "I have to go so mm-hmm. that so that I can send someone who's even more yeah. powerful, so I can give you the Holy yeah, Spirit." I think you're going ahead, right? Of- Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> let's move on to that okay, then. Okay, okay so... Uh, well, the third one would be Jesus. Jesus, okay, so... What we believe about him. Jesus, I mean, the, we have to, we have to, like, this is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, mm-hmm. and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. He lived a, he was born of a virgin. Yeah. He lived a perfect life, sinned not once. Yeah. He, he was... He died a death that he was not deserving of. Yeah, a substitutionary death for sinners. So that his righteousness, God's righteousness, could be imputed onto the sinner. Mm. Uh, I heard a great example from a good friend of mine, Stephen. He's in my preaching class. And he, he said... Oh, Cardenas? Yeah, he's like... He's all right. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> he's like, if, if you were looking down at a bunch of cockroaches, mm. like, would you become a cockroach to save that that... <laughs> those bugs that that are so nasty right like we want to kill all of them like anytime we see a cockroach like kill like we want to squash it right we want to flush it down the toilet and he's like would you want to become one of those to save you know that race race i guess you could say yeah in the same way god could look at us and it's like (laughs) man like these are dirty filthy sinners but i love them so Mm. much because they're created in my image yeah and I'm going to become one Absolutely. to save them, right? And so no, we see, yeah. and this is foundational to the Christian religion. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And if yeah. you differ anywhere on this, then you are outside of the Christian faith. And scripture makes it clear. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's important that we uh, that we note that pre-incarnation, Christ still existed. Right. Because a lot of people don't know that. Some people think that Christ came into existence when he became a baby. Right, right, right. Uh, when he became a human being. The incarnation is God becoming man, but prior to that, he he was still God. Right, and uh, I mean, he existed that, throughout time. Right, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was this God. Is Jesus, right? Jesus, and, and then Colossians one, you know, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Right. Not mean that he was first created, but that it, it, it clarifies. It says in the next part of the verse, it says. All things were created by Jesus and through Jesus. Mm. So we know that God is the creator. Some might say that he, the father is the architect, but the son is the builder right. through whom God makes all things and yeah. for whom God makes all things. And so Christ is at the center of everything. The Bible is a Christocentric book. Right. Jesus is everything. Um, he is the goal of our salvation and he is the one to whom the prophets pointed and to whom we look back and to whom we also look forward to his glorious return. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love how you said it. You know I mean? I think 
there's no really better way that we could say it. it's the simple gospel. It is. Um, it is the most offensive, most beautiful message in all of human history. Right, and that is like again, like that is something that if if you are within the body of believers, like you know this, mm. but it doesn't it doesn't downgrade its importance. Uh, because it is it is essential yes. to, to the Christian yeah. life, right? And so we need to preach mm-hmm. this to ourselves and day say in and day out. Jesus, though, right now, he is still fully man. Right, he's as well full of God. Right, absolutely, and I yeah. think that is uh, that's also essential. He's retained both right. both natures, and, and when he was walking here on earth, like he was tempted, like he 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 faced physical pain. Yes. He faced stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. right? We, we saw that in the Garden Gethsemane, of Gethsemane, yeah. right? And so he faced these things that we are faced with, and it's only because of him mm. uh, and the indwelling of the Spirit dwelling in us that we can face those with joy, Absolutely. right? And so, oh man. And so he's, so he's Lord, right? and we should affirm that. He is, right. he he is, is Lord, Lord of creation, Lord of our redemption, Lord of his church, Lord of history. Uh, and everything he's even judge i mean john yeah. 5 it says that the father does not judge but he's given all judgment to his son right yeah so and jesus is who we the judge at the end of history yeah and you know that day is coming yes right? each day that passes we're a day closer yes right? and we'll get to that one soon too <laughs> oh man i can't <laughs> yeah, wait i know right um so i think you know major takeaway from this is that you know christ is uh, that he is god he is fully god fully man he's the mediator between god and man um because he he brings them together in himself, uh, and he just like you said, born of Virgin Mary, lived a perfect sinless life, uh, died a substitutionary death for sinners, took their place, so he can impute his righteousness on us while also taking our sin in himself and becoming sin for us. Uh, glorious resurrection from the dead right. three days later, conquering death, sin, Satan, um, for all time. Through the resurrection, right. justifying us, proving that the Father had accepted His sacrifice, uh, and then forty days later, ascending into mm-hmm. heaven, um, where He's where He sits in at inter- the right inter- hand. Inter- of, yes, and He intercedes on our behalf. Intercedes at, like, he's our high priest. Like how beautiful is that, right? He uh, strengthens us. He He prays for us. Yeah, you know, He He is still working for us. And we can read a beautiful prayer uh, by Jesus for us. It, like mm, The Jesus, high priestly prayer, John 17. Yeah, he's, he says, for those who are yet to believe, or those who will believe. He's talking about us. For, like, he prayed for us. For people who are listening to this podcast. Right, yeah. and, and that's crazy to think that the God of the universe, the, the one who is almighty over all creation, all powerful, would not only come down and, and be a man, mm. 100% man, but then to mm. pray on our behalf. Yeah. That is crazy to me. Yeah. And, and it's humbling yeah. that, that he would humble himself and pray for us. And we should follow in, in suit. Like we should follow in that character, right? Absolutely. And humble ourselves. I think, oh, that, I think if you know, people who are listening to this podcast, if they, they want a good Christ-centric passage, you know, read, read Colossians 1 verses 15 to the end, but also read, um, in addition to that, Philippians 2, yeah. talking about, you know, how Christ just, how he, how, you know, have the same mind in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, becoming a human being, and, and you know, he was a beat it unto death, even death on a cross. Right. Uh, and so I think it's important that we, that we see the humility of Jesus, that, that he, because if, if you really believe this, like I know Christians who affirm this with their head, but they don't believe in their heart. If you right. really in your heart believe that the eternal God stepped down from his throne, humbled himself and became a human being so that he could suffer and die in place of sinners and take what we deserve. If you really believe that, if they truly in their heart believe that, it's going to affect the rest of right. their life. Everything. And if they truly believe he's Lord, 
Right. Not just Savior, but Lord. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. One hundred percent. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. And oh man. So yeah. So I know we're moving at a million miles an hour. That's okay. But That's okay. let's keep trucking. We, we got. We got. Uh, that, that was three. That was three. So okay. So number four would be the person of the Holy Spirit. Wow. I think it's important that I said person. Yeah, I think it is. And and this is another beautiful. All these things are so beautiful. This is why you see me freak out. Like I know. So beautiful. Like we are just <laughs> like sitting in awe of God. I think it's Psalm one thirty nine. This is like, like I can't go anywhere from you. Like there's, I can't run in darkness. I can't. Yeah. Wherever you are is light. Yeah. Like it's just so beautiful, man. Absolutely. So yeah, Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And we have to understand that the Holy Spirit was present not only in the Old Testament, mm. but is present in all of us in the New Testament. Yes. And so yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We, yeah. So go ahead, take yeah. it away. I mean, the word for spirit in uh, in Hebrew is uh, ruach, and it speaks of God's active force. Uh, in his dealings with creation and humanity. So like throughout the Old Testament, the word spirit uses the word ruach uh, to describe God's active force, his personal force. Mm-hmm. Um, but he himself still is a distinct person. Right. And we see in verse 2, of the, the very second verse of the Bible, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters right. of creation, both getting ready, anticipating, bringing about something beautiful. You know, we talked about God being the architect and the, Jesus being the builder. The Holy Spirit is like the interior designer. Right. He brings the beauty. Um to, to like God's that. creation. Yeah, yeah, you like that? <laughs> That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, I like Thank that. you. Did um, you just make that up? Uh, I think I read it from a children's oh, Bible, actually. Thief. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, like the Holy Spirit gave it to them, so I'm okay. just going to pick Anyways, it up. Anyways, yeah, I like it. It's beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, no, so the Holy Spirit is a person, and so we see him throughout. We've already talked about how he carried along the biblical authors as they produced scripture and as they wrote the Bible. So right. we, we know about that. Um, now, what else did he do throughout the Bible? You know, we see, we do see him indwelling people right in the old testament but we also see that, that indwelling is very different from the indwelling that we experience now in the new testament age uh so just a quick overview you know like we see in the old testament we see the holy spirit coming upon uh and judges says the spirit rushes upon uh and it, it indwells certain people mm-hmm. temporarily to perform specific tasks right um whereas in the new testament uh post pentecost the spirit now indwells all believers in Christ at the moment of their conversion right. and is a seal until the day of their salvation mm. uh, permanently. Right. Uh, and so I think it's important that we distinguish the roles of the Holy Spirit between the two testaments right. in the two ages. Right. Um, but the Holy Spirit does have an active role throughout the Bible, and we, we can see that. We can see him working and weaving God's plan that will lead to his glory uh, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. So the Spirit intercedes from the Father and the Son and he does that. He, he does the th- that which pleases them. He does that which they direct him to do. Um, when it comes to the New Testament era, we see like chapters like John 14 and John 16, where Christ promises the Holy Spirit that he's going to leave, and when he leaves, he'll send the Spirit right. uh, to indwell believers forever uh, and to do greater works through them because right. there's more of us. Um, you know, he'll he'll indwell all believers of all time um, from Pentecost to the end of the ages, um, and that he will he will. I think it's important that we know that we could do nothing without the Spirit. Right, yeah. We are completely, we are incapable of any good work outside of the Spirit. Yes. And like, and the fruits of the Spirit, He produces in us. Right. The and, fruit of the Spirit, yeah. Right, and so we read that too, and it's just crazy to think that, like, He's the essence of what is good and perfect, mm. and He has power. Like, that power is what raised Jesus from the dead. And also regenerates sinners. Right. He gives us faith. Even in the Old Testament, 
he gave the Old Testament yeah. saints faith. He yeah. gives that to us. And that spirit doesn't get taken away from us, right? Yeah. Like, like in the Old Testament, we saw God giving and taking his spirit. Like David even pleads, pleads with God, don't take the spirit from me, mm. right? But but we don't have to plead that, mm. right? Like we can pray for God to fill our cup, like yes. fill us with the spirit, right? And that prayer yeah. is, is, we know that if we pray anything according to God's will, it'll be granted to us, right? Yes. And we read in Ephesians that it's God's will for us to be filled with the spirit. And so pray yes. to God to fill you with the spirit, right? And he will. Yeah. Uh, and that is a beautiful thing. And, and just so you know, I mean, our salvation is because of the, and we talked about this when we talked about reform theology, but the effective, effectual call of the Holy Spirit, you know, God performs that through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one that, that regenerates right. sinners. Uh, he's the one, you know, I think, Francis Chan wrote an amazing book called Forgotten God about how we have not overemphasized, but how we've, we've emphasized the Father and the Son, but we've tragically underemphasized the role of the Holy Spirit and His importance in our lives as Christians. Right. We're, we're, you know, just like you said, we can do nothing without Him. We can't even trust in Jesus without Him. He's the one that gives us the faith to believe. Yeah. Uh, and so not only that, uh, but we see, we also see that as we live our Christian lives, it says, Jesus says that He's our guide. He's our comforter and he's our teacher. Uh, he's the one that's going to illuminate our hearts and our minds as we study the word of God. Right. We cannot do any good spiritual work, nor can we understand God, nor can we understand his word without the illumination and the help of the Holy Spirit. Right. Absolutely. So, okay. Does that, that think that's, that's pretty great. good? Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to point five. Yes. Point five. All right. And this is just like, this is like, we already talked about the gospel when we talked mm -hmm. about Jesus. I mean, like that would have been the gospel, but I think just specifically the, the fact, saving act yes the fact that salvation is by faith alone right and not by works and this is what distinguishes christianity from any other religion right i mean i used to be a buddhist and i used to study tons of different religions in my family um and i studied a lot and and the one thing that really intrigued me about any any of the religions was that unlike all the other religions christianity whereas in the, all the other religions, you're climbing your way to God. You were, you were striving after him. You were trying to reach him. As opposed to that, Jesus comes down to us. Right, and he saves you. And he offers himself right. to us. And, and we don't have to work for it. In all the other religions, you work for your salvation. So, in effect, you are your own savior. Whereas right. here, you simply receive the finished work of Christ on the cross yeah, we, by I mean, faith. We read in Ephesians 2, like, it's not by works so that you can boast, right? It's, it's by faith, it's, which is a gift from God. Right. And and then, you know, in James, we do see that faith produces good works. Genuine faith. Genuine faith, yeah. right. And Heartfelt so faith. we have to understand that it's good works don't produce this saving faith, mm -hmm. but yet it's it's this genuine faith yeah. that will then in turn produce these good works. Yes. And we have to understand that it's not a ladder that we climb, yes. right? It's a it's a hand that grabs us, yes. right? And it's so, not just intellectual ascent, but it's it's trust. It's right. leaning into who Christ is and what he's done uh, that regenerates us. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. By which we receive that. That's a really simple, short, yeah, but very, I mean, like it's foundational. I mean, it, is, it is foundational. Fighting over this. The, this is what, the, the, these points that we've been talking about and the two more that we have to talk about, are, are why the Reformation happened because we were straying yeah. from biblical truth. I mean, yes, the exactly. Catholic Church was yeah. was twisting what the gospel was. Not just the gospel, but the entirety of the Christian religion. Mm, yes. uh, yeah, it's crazy. So yep. let's go ahead and move on. Yep, salvation so, by faith. We got that. So we're on point six, right? Point six. Okay, there's only two more points. So we'll, we'll try and go through these. I mean, if you want to study more, I mean, read Systematic Theology. Wayne Groom has amazing Absolutely. sections on everything we're talking about, but we're just giving a brief overview. Um, point six is simply uh, the doctrine of the church, the people of God. Uh, okay. And so like, we, we won't spend too much time in this, but I think um, 
what we want to emphasize here is that the church is both local and global, and it's comprised of all people who place their faith in Jesus. Right. We are part of a of a intercultural, interracial, beautiful family of God. Uh, this mosaic that the painter is making, uh, that's, that's what we're a part of. We're not just a local body of believers. No, we're global. Everyone who has ever placed their faith in Jesus from all history comprises this body and this bride of Christ. Right. And, and we read that in scripture, like the church is the bride of Christ. Mm, right. Yes, and, absolutely. And there's a song by KB. It, it's on his new album. It's called New Portrait. And it's a beautiful song. Oh, I haven't heard it yet. Is it it's good? beautiful. And it just paints the gospel. Mm. And there's a line in it. And he says that, that Christ didn't come here and take any wives. He didn't come here to, to find a bride. But he came here to save his intercultural bride. Mm. And so it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Right? And it's so true that the church, and we have a whole podcast on this, who's, who are the people of God, right? We talk yeah. about the church. And, and if you if you want to reference that, please go back and listen to that podcast because it's great. Yeah, it's like an hour. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, but we have to understand that we, and we're a body, right? So mm-hmm. we each play different parts and each part of the body plays a different role. Mm-hmm. And so... yeah. When we're all working together in unison and as as one, we see we are a lot more effective for the cause of Christ than when we're Absolutely. in dysfunction Absolutely. and in disunity. And we're called all throughout Scripture to be to be united in Christ, right? Yeah. And and I think that's one of the reasons the, the Reformation was happened is that we were we were straying from this unity, we were straying from this biblical mm-hmm. uh, unity that we find, and. Although it may have caused physical disunity between the Catholic Church and the Protestants, it eventually brought the the faith back together, right? Yes. And we, we find yeah, ourselves yeah. as a whole. And it's beautiful because we're called to be united. And that means Calvinists and Arminians are called to be united. Yes, absolutely. Right? And that means that, you know, white Absol- people and black people. Yeah. Different races are called to be united. Dif- yes. Different ethnicities, different... Uh, you know, second and third level the- theologies were still called to be uh, united. Yes. We are all called to be united in Christ. Yes. And that's one of the reasons for this podcast, because we are talking about these seven fundamental things that that are yes. Christianity, that we Christ, can all, all come together. We're all equal on these things. Exactly. Yes. And in this building, this foundation, I mean, like, if, if you want a great chapter about the church, look up First Peter chapter 1. It talks about how, no, chapter 2, it talks about how Christ is the living stone and he is the cornerstone. He makes the foundation for the spiritual house that God is building up. And we are living stones that comprise the spiritual body, offering spiritual sacrifices to the Lord, the praise of our lips and our bodies, living sacrifices. Um, We intercede for one another. Uh, We we, we are one body in Christ. We are Christ's body, meaning that he is the head. We do nothing apart from him. And we are the avenue by which he proclaims his gospel to the nations. Absolutely. We we obey him. Uh, We obey his teachings, we obey the ordinances, and we obey the call to spread the gospel together. And we can't do that unless you're united. Christ said they'll know that we're Christians by our love for one another, um, and that's the same love that he imparts onto us. Right. Um, so I think it's important just so we know that if you're a believer, and if you know a believer, then that believer is part of the same body that you're right. in. No matter the denominational difference, the racial difference, um, regardless, they are in Christ and you're in Christ, which means spiritually you're one with them. Right. Uh, we are all one body. And I've been to places where I've been to churches uh, in Thailand and those those children are my equals in Christ and we right. worship the same God and we are united 
in that doctrine and in that spirit. And I think it's amazing because you can really see that, mm. especially when you're when you've done foreign missions. Yeah, you can go to a different c- country where the language barrier yeah. is there. Like then, you cannot yeah. commute with them, yet you feel you have one faith. There's like there's a there's a community. Like yeah. there's a connection. There's the Holy Spirit. One faith, one spirit, one baptism, exactly. one Lord. And so we, we, yeah, we see all these differences. We are united in one thing, the biggest thing. Mm. Uh, and it's so beautiful to see. And, and that's one of the beauties of Christianity, mm-hmm. right? That that a God c- brings us together as one. Mm. And, and we can not only be one, but we can worship as one. Absolutely. And we can advance his, his gospel as one. Absolutely. Uh, beautiful. So, so that's that's a, that's a church. And if they want more information, they can look at our yeah. podcast on the people of God. Yeah, that, yeah. That gives you a lot can more. do a little bit more study on ecclesiology yeah. and, and the church. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So finally. Next step. Last belief. This okay. So before we move into this one, <laughs> I love how you pause. You know, you're just yeah. like, let, let me just is, give this a, is pretty, pretty huge. This is big. Now, a lot of people argue and say that the study of eschatology and the study of end times uh, is useless. And here's my argument uh, against and for that, mm. actually. Okay. As as an argument, like yes. So we should not make any like saving statements, right? So like if you're pre-mill or, or the specifics of the way end times are going to go down aren't mm-hmm. the the deciding factor on if you're saved or not. Absolutely. But as a Christian, we have the the assurance and the hope, mm. right? Like, like God gives us hope and the assurance that he will return one day. Mm, yes. And so regardless of where you stand eschatologically, we can come here and unite and say that we look forward to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's the seventh one, right? Yes. And yeah. we, we won't, uh, and I think uh, we'll say that for another podcast. Like, like We're going to go really deep into it later. Yes. And, and it doesn't like matter the, where you fall, right? Yeah, because yeah. honestly, no one can know. Absolutely. Like yeah. Amil, as right as I think it is, probably falls short in some areas. Wait, you're Amil? Well, historic pre Well, I mean, I'm, I'm Amil. So. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> wherever we'll, we'll, you we'll stand. Get, we'll get into the specific beliefs and like the... The evidence is behind those right, later. Right, and, It doesn't matter, though. But absolutely. The most important thing, like you said, and, and the way that the biblical authors define the blessed hope. Like Paul, we see in Titus and we see throughout his letters that he always defines the blessed hope as the appearing of our glorious, uh, the glorious appearing of our Savior, Jesus right. Christ. You know, that's the most important thing that we understand, that that is our hope. You right. know what I mean? Like, and, I, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this is that we define our hope is because... I want our hope to be in a person more than anything. I want Jesus to be our hope. I don't want our hope to be in, and listen, if if uh, if any of these views are right, then great, but I don't want our hope to be in, that we're going to be snatched up and, and out of the world. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. And, and if, if that happens, if it goes down the way, you know, if the rapture is prior to a seven-year tribulation, praise God, that's awesome. Um, but I don't want our hope to be in that Christ will take us out of this world, or even uh, so much so in this thousand-year reign where he's going to right all wrongs, but they'll still be sinners. I want our hope ultimately to be in the person of Jesus, right. in the fact that he's going to return, that the bride will be reunited with her bridegroom, that she will be declared his bride, that the wedding supper of the Lamb will take place, and that he will restore all things and the place that he's been preparing, he will usher in. Yeah. Um, I think that that's the anticipation that we should take. And, and Revelation 19, right before Christ's return, uh, it says that the wedding supper of the Lamb has come because the bride has made herself ready. Mm. She has adorned herself with the righteous deeds of the saints. Uh, so I think it's important that we have that mentality right. that 
more than anything, that the most important thing is that our eyes are on the fact that Christ is returning and that he will one day restore all things. Right. Now, now in, in regards to the details on what we do agree on, you know, I just want to be very brief with this, but I do want to say we do believe, and I think it's important to mention this because the Apostles' Creed, all the creeds throughout history right. mention this, that there will be a bodily resurrection of the dead, right. believers and unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus talks about this in John 5, and so does uh, Revelation talks about this in 19 and 20, yeah. how there will be a resurrection of the dead uh, where all believers will be judged by God, and the believers, those who trust in the Lord, will spend eternity, everlasting glory and joy with the Lord on the new heavens and new earth, and the unbelievers uh, will rise to right. and be condemned, and right. they'll be judged and sentenced to um, an eternity the lake of, of, fire. of the lake of fire, separation yeah. from the benevolent presence of God engulfed in his wrath for all eternity. Right. And, and I pray that that realization and that confidence stirs us to evangelism more than anything. Right. Because whenever Jesus, we talked about this before, whenever Jesus talked about eschatological matters regarding his return he always ended it by saying be alert be sober be watchful um, and be useful for the kingdom and go tell other people about me that is the motivation behind missions evangelism the the fact that christ is returning and so we don't have to we don't have to get in all the details or anything like that i think um i think it's important though that we do understand no matter where you fall eschatologically we all agree that jesus is returning and that he will make all things new and he will bring restoration Right. Um, he will he will bring consummation to his kingdom um, as he inaugurates the new heavens and new earth, and he's going to make all things right and restore what the fall distorted. Right, and I think I think we have to look at that. Right, and mm-hmm. so I once had someone tell me that, and using the verse somewhat out of context, don't worry about tomorrow. You know. Oh, Matthew six. Tomorrow, worry about itself. Yeah, let tomorrow worry about itself. Today has enough worries. They took that. That they took that verse, and they were telling me that that means we can't look to the future and we can't look to the past. We have to focus on today and live today. And I was like, yes, you're right. And you're right in a few different areas, but we have to understand that Christianity is looking back to the death burial and resurrection of Jesus mm. and looking forward to his, his next, his coming. Absolutely. Right. And, and if we don't look at those things, right, then what motivation is there for today? Absolutely. Right. And so that is looking forward and looking back is the motivation for today. And, and so I don't want you to take that verse out of context. Right. So we shouldn't be stressed or worried about tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Like tomorrow, like today, like let's live today for today, but let's let the motivating factors for living today be the past burial death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the future hope and assurance mm. that he will retu- He will return yes. uh, in the future as yeah. at his second coming. And I, I think that's a beautiful truth. Yeah, and the last thing I'd say to add on to that is Second uh, Peter 3 talks about how how um, believers, he admonishes believers to live um, a pure life before God. And then he says this interesting phrase, he says, hastening the day of the Lord. Mm. Um, hastening in the Greek meaning to, to speed along. Not to say, and I want to make this very clear, you know, we don't control when Christ returns. No one knows the day or the hour. God has already appointed a day um, at which time he will return and he will restore all things. Um, However, that day will be in line with when his purposes are accomplished. And so when we are living our lives purely for uh, the love, purely for Jesus, when we're pursuing him passionately and living to make him famous and advancing his gospel, when we are doing that, when we are striving for that, the Bible says we're hastening the day of the Lord. Um, Every day is a day closer. And the more we see his purposes fulfilled, the closer we can be sure he's coming. Absolutely. Okay. So as we wrap up today, I know we sped through so much. Yes. But Um, but we basically sped through the seven summits. I mean, if we look at it. Yeah, we did. We did. (laughs) Now, don't, don't be alarmed. Like today was a very 
good overview. I feel like we touched on a lot of good things. We are going to do a Seven Summit series, which I'm super excited for. We're definitely going to talk about eschatology more. So, yeah, so we're going to talk about some of these things a little bit more. We're going to flush them out and give you a better idea of what they are and go deeper into different views, different theologies, but we have to understand that this is our foundation. Mm, Absolutely. And we can stand firm Mm. on this foundation with any believer uh, who who is in the church. So with that being said, guys, Billy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you I so really much I really appreciate again. it. Guys, if you haven't had a chance to check out uh, grace-nation.com, please do that. We're doing a uh, an amazing fundraiser called Reach the Nations Fundraiser. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's an amazing cause and it's uh, for an amazing purpose. And so if you guys haven't had an opportunity to check that out, please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's going to help some kids in India go to Bible That's camp. That's so exciting. And so, That's awesome. Uh, we want to encourage you guys to check that out. If you didn't check out last week's podcast, please do. It's on missions. It's great. It really just hits my heart, and I love missions. So please go check mm-hmm. that one out. It's a great podcast. And we have a new writer coming onto Grace Nation. That's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. And you told so me about that. Yeah. That, uh, that will be starting here in a few weeks, so just keep your eyes out for that. And next week we have a great uh, guest coming onto our podcast and we're going to be talking about the American church and what it's doing and why it's hurting. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, so yeah, until then guys, I hope everything is, is going well with you guys. You guys are in our prayers. Make sure you follow us on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook at grace nation men. Uh, you can send your emails my way at grace, uh, nation ministries at yahoo.com. Send them my way. I will get back to you. I have nothing to do. I really have no life at all. He does I not will respond to any email that I get. Yes, he will. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate that. (laughs) But anyways, guys, until next time, take care and God bless. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. The BGN podcast comes out every week. Questions? Email us at gracenationministries at yahoo.com or tweet us at gracenationmin. Until next time, take care and God bless.